Hello and welcome to the Powered by Rock podcast, where we're going to be speaking with Adam Fletcher from the punk band The Copyrights. They have a new album out called Alone in a Dome, and it's another great album in the long line of great albums from these guys. Stick around to hear all about it and more. You're listening to the Powered by Rock podcast with your host, Isaac Kuhlman. The Powered by Rock podcast was created to help showcase some of the best rock musicians in the world and to pass on to future generations the rock music that has inspired rock fans around the world for decades. We want listeners to be able to hear great stories and life experiences directly from their favorite artists, as well as dig deeper into music theory and talk rock like no other show you've ever heard. This isn't about looking cool. It's about getting real and having a great time. Without further ado, let's start the show. Hello and welcome to the Powered by Rock podcast. This episode is going to be a lot of fun and I'm excited to be speaking with Adam from the Copyrights. So welcome, Adam. Uh, they have a new album out called Alone in, a, Alone in a Dome and it's probably one of the top, if not the best punk album of the year, in my opinion. We'll get, in that, into a, we'll get into that in a second. So welcome to the show, Adam. How are things? Things are good. Things are good. Thanks for having me. Good. Yeah, of hey. course. All right. <laughs> get some little sound effects in there for you. Yeah. So it's been a lot of fun knowing that you're going to be on the show because it gave me an excuse to kind of go back through like all your all your albums and go through the catalog. And it's just reminded me, you know, how damn good you guys are. So it's been a lot of fun this last you know week and a half since I've known you're going to be on. I actually didn't know you guys were actually still active because the last time I heard of you was probably 10 years ago. It was even before you guys kind of stopped releasing albums. And then obviously a post from Fat Records mentioned that they'd sign you guys. And I was like, I'm not even sure if it's the same band. Is it the same band? So I looked at it. Of course, it's the same band. So it's, I had to double check that. But I got to first ask, like, was there any singular, singular reason for the long break between albums? Or was it just kind of a mixture of things going on and, and life happening? Uh, yeah, it was. Uh, let's see. A report came out about seven years ago. So that's been quite a gap. But yeah. Uh, yeah, I had my wife gave birth to my our first child five years ago, so that kind of slowed down touring for me. And yeah. uh, congratulations, uh, by the way. The, yeah, thanks. I took a break for a little bit, but you know, uh, we recorded this record in 2019. Yep. So uh, it's been sitting for a little bit. Didn't feel uh, like as long of a break then, I assume, for you guys at least. Yeah, it went by fairly quickly for me anyway. Yeah. I don't know about everyone else, but yeah, you know, there was a lot of other things happening, you know, pandemic and, yep. and all kinds of chaos in the world. So it was like uh, we weren't quite ready to put out a record. But yeah, uh, yeah you know, life stuff just kind of got in the way. And we put out a lot of records very quickly. Yeah. I think, you know, we were putting out a record every year. We were like, boom, 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 uh, delivering records for a long time you know yep. year after year so and if it wasn't an lp it was like an ep or you know some, yeah some there was material there was stuff so yep. so yeah it was like there's a certain point where it's like well we have you know a, a whole lot of songs to choose from and you know do we need to add more to yeah. the pile or what do we do so uh we took our time awesome. I'm, I'm happy we did i think it turned out great and i'm, I'm oh yeah record. yeah i mean I was just listening to it again right while I was eating uh, dinner, and I just had a, a newborn son this year, and he's about ten months old, and he's hey me too jamming to it while he's you know eating. Hey, dinner. all right, yeah, yeah. I have an eleven month old. Yeah, that's awesome. Really? Yeah, so they'll be in a band together. We'll get all the little kids <laughs> from from the p pandemic, and we'll make a big band. Yeah, now. right. <laughs> 
Awesome. So before we get into some of the other great topics I want to bring up today, I do want to ask you about kind of like your journey. Uh, you know, obviously you're from Illinois. I grew up in freaking North Dakota, which is like the shitty stepsister of all the Midwest states that like is just going to be awful. Like you're not going to do anything if you live there. Uh, thankfully, I moved out. But uh, I kind of want to know, like, how did you get started playing music? What artists were some of the influences for you? And, and basically, when did you decide like this was going to be the thing that you pursued for you know, a career and, and, and do this for a lifetime? Uh, well, I first got, I mean, I grew up like watching MTV that was oh, yeah. always on. So, you know, music was always a thing, but, uh, you know, I was right whenever Nirvana and grunge hit in 1991, I was the perfect age to pick up a guitar. So that's when I first got a guitar and kind of strummed around on it. But uh, when I was 14, I got a bass guitar, and shortly after that, Luke and I started learning how to play music together. So we've yep. been doing that since 1995 or 1994-ish. So uh, you actually chose the bass before even having to transition it as like I had a, a, a guitar, necessity. but for whatever reason, I let somebody borrow it, and it broke. And then I, I had a friend that, yeah, was like, I'm, I'm selling this bass. I'm like, I'll buy it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm glad I did, I guess. Uh, uh, but so, yeah, we started playing music together when we were in high school, and we started a band and played together locally and then uh, quickly made our way over to the college scene of, you know, house shows and basement shows and uh, and bars. And yeah, that's, uh, and that's it. Was that at Duquesne? Is that correct? No, we're, I, we're the band. We're from Carbondale, Illinois, yeah, uh, which is the very southern tip of the state. Kind of, of by like East St. Louis and stuff, right? Yeah, St. Louis is about two hours away. Indianapolis is two hours away. Kentucky okay. borders about an hour away, so we're like way down there. Uh, okay, Southern <laughs> Illinois University is the uh, is the is the college here, so. You know, everyone from Chicago, it's the furthest you can get in the state of Illinois uh, from Chicago. So everyone comes to school down here uh, or they used to. But yeah. <laughs> it has a anyway, it had a culture and, and music scene that mm -hmm. we tapped into. And uh, nice. that's kind of where we're from. That's a pretty cool geography lesson because I know a little bit about Illinois, but uh, don't know very much about Carbondale. Other than yeah, it's, very small, it's, a, so. it's, it's a small place. Uh, uh, <laughs> it's a really small town. Yeah, and I'm from here, and I, I was born here. So yeah, um, I you guys, do. And I, you guys all live there still? I do. I'm the last. I'm the last guy that still lives here. Everyone else Holding is out. in. Everyone else is in. Kevin's in Chicago. Luke's in Springfield. I'm in Carbondale, and Brett's in Nashville. So we're three hours apart. Uh, three hour drive all the way down the state of Illinois down to Nashville. Interesting. Uh, but yeah, I'm the last. I'm the last guy that's still here. <laughs> <laughs> So how does that work with like the recording and stuff like that? Do you guys have to like plan like a week out or like you, you, you just kind of do it individually and then kind of come together when you have to get into a studio? Well, sometimes we just go, I mean, yeah, for every make sound, we did at Atlas in Chicago. So, you know, we would all go there and book studio time and we were there for weeks and even up to in North Sentinel Island, we did the same report we went out to mike kennedy's house in uh, oklahoma city and we tracked okay. most of the record there we did some of the drums at uh, sonic iguana studios uh in lafayette and then we took it to mike's but you know this whole time luke 
who is the main songwriter of the band and and is also you know the guy who he went to recording engineering school and and learned the craft so we have between me and him we have some home studios here so we just kind of this whole record we did ourselves uh nice. luke did most of the heavy lifting but but we tracked the guitars at lost cross which is the punk house here in carbondale and luke did the drums at his house and i did a bunch of vocals here at my house and we just kind of pieced it together and did it all completely diy from the ground up <laughs> that's awesome i mean i yeah it's I, cool I, I mean it's yeah it's yeah it's cool in that regard and like we did this record that's like you know we made a record that's completely just ourself and then and we put it out on fat too yeah I, I think that's pretty yeah i talked to a lot cool. of people about you know obviously the pandemic and then basically having to do the recording inside the studio and you know uh it was actually uh angelo celli from the band bracket uh, he oh, mentioned cool. that, you know, he's like, he's like, yeah, we've been doing this for years because we just didn't want to tour and we didn't live in the same place. So we just been mm -hmm. doing the, the home studio recording stuff. So it was like the whole world finally caught up to our, our kind of trend because they had to or whatever. And I was like, yeah, it's pretty interesting. Yeah. I it's, and you can do so much with so little, I mean, now yeah. like plugins sound incredible and, and drum, you know, drum replacer sounds and things triggers, but there's something to be said, like as a band to all be locked in sure a recording studio for a you know a destiny a, a, your, your time's going to end and when the record's over it's over yep. type of thing like i love i love that kind of uh that aspect of it too so um yeah maybe we'll do that sometime i don't know what we're going to do but <laughs> but maybe that's the way this record that's the way this record worked and we weren't in our in a hurry and and you know luke has a studio yeah. and and i have a studio and we can just record some stuff and bounce it back and forth real easy nice all right well let's dig into the actual new album then so let's let's get a little bit uh a little, little deep on here because i think it's an uh, it's an absolute ripper i think probably my favorite part of the album is actually the cleverness of the lyrics so if if luke's writing most of the lyrics kudos to him because there's a yep. lot of awesome lyrics in there and i don't know if you know like some of the stories behind the lyrics but uh you know the first song off the album part of the landscape is one of my favorite ones and it's talking about the bucky dome uh, it's like, you know, our bunk, our Buckminster Fuller's geodesic dome, which I believe he, he started in Carbondale. Isn't that kind of part of the storyline? Uh, he didn't start it, but he was a professor here for a while. Uh, gotcha. and he has a geodesic dome home. That's like just up the street from where I live. It's right in the middle of town. Uh, so I pass it all the time. We actually filmed the video, uh, like the live shots for part of the landscape and the music video was in that house. Wow. Which was really incredible to be in there because, I don't know, it's really cool. He's a fucking cool dude. And and they've done a really awesome job restoring it, uh, the, the foundation that took it over. Uh, and you should look them up and donate to them if you can because it's cool. There's, like, you know, signed Arthur C. Clarke prints on the wall and, and cool stuff that Buckminster Fuller had. Um, but, uh, yeah, yeah, it's a reference to Bucky. And he was he was a, he's a kind of a identity for... Carbondale where we're from so it, yeah yeah so if we dig into that song now I don't know if you kind of I don't know how much you know about the song because I've been kind of trying to dig up some of the the concept behind it but it seems like there's a whoever's the subject of the song I'm not sure who it actually might be but it could be Buckminster Fuller himself or somebody else but no. basically it takes the it takes yeah I didn't think it was but it takes the uh concept of a buck a Bucky Dome at first which is kind of like this you know scientific house of the future kind of thing and then right. it's talking about this person with that kind of mentality 
and it seems to devolve into the more, it goes from kind of more like the ideological to more of the materialistic by the end and talking about the Eichler home, which is more like the California, you know, glass windows, like looking kind of like fancy housing. Um, am I kind of on the right track here? Because it seems like that's kind of like a, a, a devolution or a de-evolution of the kind of person in the subject matter of the song. Well, that's a nice catch. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, and, and are you asking for like a theme of that song? I mean, it's just, I, I just think, a little like bit I've more said, clarity because it, it's, it's, it's interesting to use those two pieces of architecture as kind of like, uh, like a, a, a comparison or, a, you know, an analogy. Right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the futurist dream home perfection. You know, the geodesic, the, his whole thing was, you know, um, yeah, like I said, he before he, Epcot Center, you know, yep. Bucky designed that, you know, Spaceship Earth. He was a futurist and and uh, and was all about livingry instead of weaponry and things. But yep. the geodesic dome is, you know, the, the perfect shape, can withstand all the weight and, and is easy to put up and create these modular homes but yeah yeah uh i get what you're saying uh it's <laughs> it, i think a lot of people can probably relate to the idea of living in a uh, decaying midwest town like yeah. carbondale is so yeah you can identify with that <laughs> nice and that's the theme there is yeah that seems to be a theme of a lot of the songs there too as well because you got you know um you got songs that are talking about, you know, just being stuck there. So you have uh, four songs that kind of range across the the, the seasons. So stuck in springtime off of Mutiny Pop, uh, yeah. stuck in summertime off of Make Sound, stuck in winter and stuck in fall. So stuck in fall was off of Report and then obviously the new one stuck in, in winter. How did you guys come up with those ideas? Is this like, is this was this kind of like a, a thing where you guys got together and said, you know, maybe we make this a, finalize this or after the first two or something you guys started to think this is going to be a theme uh i think it just kind of worked that way like i i no i don't think we really had it it wasn't like a premeditated thing yeah uh i remember writing stuck in the springtime and then uh which was the next one uh stuck in the, the summer next one was, was on summer sound and that was Luke's, and then, and then it was like, oh yeah, we should, you know, probably do some more. <laughs> it just, yeah. it's a, yeah, I, it's kind of a cool little theme for each. Yeah. One, so, but. as a follow up question, why do you guys hate seasons so much? <laughs> we don't, <laughs> but we have them all here. It's a, t it's a Midwest <laughs> thing. You don't have them all in California or the desert or yeah, you know, yeah. I'm in uh, Vegas. We've got really hot or somewhat cold, and that's it. Yeah. So, not everybody, I guess, can identify with the season theme. Yeah. Yeah, so it's kind of interesting because it is a lot of that, um, you know, isolation, alienation, uh, looking back on like seasonal depression and just, you know, post-apocalyptic language, like, you know, the sun's right. dropping like an atom bomb and, and you, you, the, vid, the vivid visionary of this, like these, these seasons is like, man, I don't think I want to live in the Midwest. And that's kind of how you get <laughs> make it seem. <laughs> yeah. The, yeah. Winters suck. Yeah. Uh... <laughs> winters are rough yeah well let's talk about some of the bands and, and influences you guys obviously i think in, in when i listen to your guys's music there's a lot of notable um you know influences that i can hear not so much like directly but like you can hear like little bits and pieces of like some of these bands but like you know if i'm thinking like screeching weasel who's obviously an, another illinois based band little green day here face to face alkaline trio which i believe is also another illinois band 
and maybe like a dash of bad religion and, and some of that stuff in there. But you guys have your own sound and it's, it's kind of like this incredible upbeat pop that like Screeching Weasel used to make. But the lyrics and, and the, the, the subject matter is so much more, you know, uh, I guess deep than, than what Screeching Weasel might put out about like comic books or movies or TV shows or whatever they talk about right. in, in most Screeching Weasel stuff. So is that kind of like in the right track for you guys' influences? Yeah, you're right. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah. And we like all those bands. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's good because, you know, when I listen to, uh, you know, I'll hear just like a little piece and I'm like, man, that actually sounds so much like a Billy Joe thing to say and like a Green Day thing. But then the rest of the song sounds nothing like Green Day, but it's like, you just pick up these little pieces here and there, and it's like looking up yeah, like a I, breadcrumb. Yeah, I, I, I'm not so well versed in Green Day. Uh, yeah, but uh, you know they put out a lot of stuff I haven't listened to. But sure. you know, but we we grew up on in that that Lookout Records era of pop punk kind of stuff. You know, um, Mr. T Experience and yep. all that all that shit. So and we love Early Weasel and and. Um, and the fat records bands of the nine, like the survival of the fattest era of fat, you know, like all that yep. stuff was huge to us. So uh, that's uh, just part of our DNA. <laughs> yeah, I don't it think sounds, we, I, mean, I don't I don't necessarily think that we sound like those bands though. No, like, no, no. That's it's it's literally just like hints. Like you'll hear yeah. like just like a little background guitar or like a harmony or something. And you're like. That that's that kind of has the little hint of that. It's not right. straightforward. You put it face to face, or you know, not yeah. saying face to face, but you put it back to back and, and listen and stuff. You're not going to say these sounded like anything, but you can hear kind of those influences kind of percolating in the background. I'd say Dillinger Four was also a really big, uh, yeah, uh, uh, blueprint for the the sound of our band too. Yeah, I feel like that's so. a pretty big blueprint for a lot of Midwest punk bands coming up. That, from well, like absolutely beyond. Yeah, yeah. so. I would yep. put that in there too. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Good call. Um, yeah. yeah. So like, it's funny. Cause you're saying you're like, you're not, you don't follow green days that much. Like I never, like I had like two albums that I liked at green day. And then I kind of just like, nah, this isn't, this isn't for me anymore. But then that introduced more punk. Obviously it was like, they're the first ones to get super, super famous. And then all this other stuff kind of got, you know, you know, there's yeah. like, even like Ska got famous because of green day a little bit, you know, like rancid, you know, uh, real big fish and all that stuff so it's kind of awesome growing up in the 90s getting all this stuff kind of bubbling to the surface because in the 80s if i was you know born five to ten years earlier you wouldn't have that much stuff you got like the pixies kind of kind of you know out there in the distance but you know there wasn't a lot of like truly punk bands that you could hear other than maybe like the ramones and the clash and that's about it yeah i mean that was yeah. and that was you know 1994 the boom of punk the biggest the yep. biggest the golden era of punk i mean that's the yep. biggest it's ever been uh you know i was luke and i were both like freshmen and and sophomore in high school so we were the perfect age for that to catch to catch that wave and i'm glad that we did um it's such an interesting time to look back on that that punk was like on the radio <laughs> yeah exactly like so uh wow, here's this everywhere like on but here's what's weird about it now though is and i you know when once those bands are gone there won't be any headlining punk band at the fest like think of every big punk festival who is the headlining band 
Yeah, it's like no effects, descendants. Like it's somebody from California. From that era too. <laughs> from that era. Yeah. So when all those bands are gone, this level of punk festival, I think, will be gone. Yeah. Like, I don't think there will take. be like the, these huge things that exist in Europe. It's always like the headliner of the big punk fest is you know I don't know strung lag out wagon. or lag wagon or yeah. sick of it all or whatever. <laughs> And it's like, uh, yeah, it's it's crazy to think like, oh shit, when Rancid and No Effects and these bands are gone, it's like, uh, huh, that'll be weird. You know? Yeah, <laughs> it'll just be. Well, you'll rise be too against. old to you'll be too old to be playing punk music anymore anyway. Right? Oh, I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, but I just don't. You know, it. What I'm saying is, it just never had that commercial reach yeah. past that era. So yeah. it never, it doesn't bring in like as many people. If you're, you know. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's old it's dudes crazy. like me and, and, you know, 40 year olds and 35 year olds that are like, oh, I remember the nineties. And so then, you know, that's the big draw, but then they try to get their kids. And, and so hopefully maybe, you know, because people are getting their kids into it, that there will be kind of like a second wave, but um, yeah, you're right. I mean, since well, like that wave will be much smaller. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And the shit that they'll be into won't be like dad's music, you know? Yeah. It'll be like so, the electronic yeah, version of everything. It'll be something different, but yeah. Yeah. So yeah, once once like the offspring is gone, you know. <laughs> and blink. So I think another great thing I, I noticed about your guys' music in that you know I think this is a kind of a this is where I kind of bring up like Screechy Weasel and some of these other bands, especially is, is that you guys use a lot of melodies and, and harmonies, right? So you guys are actually looking to vocalize with multiple singers, which you know if you got multiple people that can sing in the band, it's always a great idea to use that because it makes the sound so much more pro professional and polished. And it just gives that kind of like a more powerful, you know, push with the vocals. So, you know, what's what's kind of your take on you? Obviously, you use multiple vocus, vocalists, but what is your kind of take on that? And like, has that always been something that you liked about the music? And that's why you put it into your guys' music? Uh, are you getting at like, yeah, we like the big gang vocals type stuff? Like, well, yeah, somewhat. I mean, it's 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 just more like, you know, if <laughs> even just to like add an extra like, you know, uh, you know, just a backing vocal. Oh, or just even... backup vocals. Yeah, yeah, we've always had that. Yeah, 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 yeah for sure. Uh, yeah, and because you got to show people where the how to where to sing along, so somebody yeah, exactly. has to somebody else has to step up. To Someone's got to say, sing. "Hey, hey, hey!" Yeah, yeah. Somebody's <laughs> got to like you know. And then like, I think coming from like being uh, our favorite part of like punk music is like the big sing along thing. You know. Yeah. Naked Ray Gun, Misfits, like something that you can catch on to and sing along to. And uh, and I think like production wise, uh, maybe when you, you know, hone your craft playing in small venues where the PA isn't necessarily loud enough to be point. over your guitar cabinets and stuff in a small room, like it helps if everybody just sings along. Yeah which adds to the whole thing. So yeah. I think that that kind of adds to our sound as well. That's an interesting point. Cause I never really thought about that. Um, cause I, you know, one of the biggest things about small venues is you can never hear anything that the singers are saying. It's just like, all right, well, if I knew the song, I can obviously <laughs> catch on, but if I don't know this song, yeah. I'm just going to wait for it to be over. So I can sing along to the next song. <laughs> right. It's like every yeah, time the like band's the, like, Hey, we, we like got a big... new song. You're like, well, I'm not gonna be able to understand this one. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we like the. I don't know. We we like a good. Luke's a Luke's great at writing, at writing songs and and his 
the melodies are insane. So, and, yeah. and I think the the group vocal thing just adds to the energy and urgency of the song. Yeah. So I want to kind of come back to what you were talking about, you, uh, you becoming a bassist first. So like, you know, basically this is one of the most underappreciated instruments out there. Um, I think one of the big challenges is to find somebody who is a bassist for most rock bands, because you always have to find somebody who's playing guitar and then basically transition them over or, you know, you have to actually find just somebody out there willing to play, right? So <laughs> what kind of inspired you? Uh, I always say that a, a, a true a true basis is a unicorn. So uh, what inspired <laughs> you to, like, really do that? And, and why did you decide to be a basis? And why didn't you change later? Um, that's a good question. I don't know. I, I mean, I have guitars, and I, I can kind of fiddle around with guitar. But... Uh, I wouldn't call myself a guitarist. <laughs> uh, you know, it's just, uh, I think there were probably more people that played guitar. Yeah. And I played the bass exactly like a guitar, and I still do pretty much. Nice. You know, I come from the D.D. Ramon school of, of, uh, of playing the bass for the most part, yeah. but it's a, you know, it's a punk band, so. That's what you're supposed yeah, to do. <laughs> you don't have to be that intricate about like slap bass. And there's not a whole lot of room. I mean, in in high energy music like this, there's just no room for that. Yeah. There's not. There's just in this within the song. Like there's no. You you know there's no room for not not much room for 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 too much stuff. You know Matt Freeman from Rancid. He moves around quite a bit, but yeah. Yeah. Whether or not he needs to show off all the time, he might just want to take a step back every once in a it's while. It's like, just you know? calm it down, Matt. Calm yeah, it down. Yeah, like, you're making yeah. the rest of us look bad. Or just, <laughs> get it. you know, taking the focus off the melody of the song. But, uh, yeah. yeah, I don't know. I like, I, I, I don't know. I like, I like the bass. It, it's, uh, it's, it's only got four strings. <laughs> <laughs> Makes it a little easier. It is a little yeah. tougher to play because it's obviously you know harder to press down the stuff and a little bit more. Yeah, I, I uh, my arms and 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 hands are totally destroyed destroyed from years of overwork. But uh, yeah, I feel that now. I feel that yeah. now. But but you got to keep up a certain level of stamina <clears throat> to be able to like play that fast, you know. Yeah, and for that long. So I I I get that. Um, yeah, I don't know. There's some fucking great bass players out in the world. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there are. There sure are. Especially in the punk realm. I mean, you don't have to be great at bass to be in a in a great band. But, you know, when you make yourself good, it makes the band even better. So, yeah. I, I Obviously, you know, you make yourself pretty indispensable in the band because you're also, you know, one of the lead vocalists. If not, I don't know if you say the lead vocalist or whatever. Yeah. But um, you're the lead vocalist, um, much like Fat Mike from No Effects and a handful of other bands. When did you first see yourself as someone who wanted to be the singer in a band? Because that's also a different step forward, right? Because you can play an instrument, and at some point you're like, do I want to start singing? Do I want to start writing? Do I want to put all this focus on myself? So when did you start seeing that? Um, right from the start, I was trying to play bass and sing songs with Luke. Interesting. We had another. We had a, our friend Mike, who was an older guy, Mike Martin, and he joined a band. Joined the band with us, and he played guitar and sang. So, you know, I was always a bass player. But yeah, so kind of from the beginning, it was like just how do you do both, and how do you figure it out? I wasn't trying to be like a front man per se yeah. or anything like that. That's just the thing that like kind of fell into my lap. I I suppose um, probably just because I was willing to just 
sing and play <laughs> yeah and you didn't sound horrible so they're like all right you can keep i going. mean i did when i started yeah it was terrible <laughs> and it takes a long time to like figure it out i don't necessarily yeah. think i figured it out yet but i'm getting closer uh yeah from the beginning it was just like i don't know sing and do it yeah sing and play the bass yeah <laughs> <laughs> i can shout you know it's a punk band you can just shout yeah, exactly. And that's what most people do on their first few records is, well, you guys didn't, but obviously when you first get going, you're playing like thrash, like thrash punk or something like that. And you're just like, ah, blah, 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 just yeah, like sure. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like, you'll figure it out. Like, you don't have it's to know fun. what the song is about. Just get up and dance around. Yeah. Just get up there and yell. Yep. So speaking of fat guy, uh, fat Mike, you guys obviously sign on to fat records for this album. Um, you did the no knocks EP back in 2014 with them as well, but this is the first full length album with them. So kind of how did the signing happen? Because I, I read a couple things online. It's like, you know, they, they kind of turned some stuff away from you guys before and rejected some stuff. But obviously during this one, uh, you, you said that you obviously it's, it's all production that you've done. So how did that come around for this one? Did somebody shop that to them again? Uh, yeah, we had just been sitting on that on the record for a little while, like, uh, and I, yeah, we had, you know, <clears throat> we had it. We've known the people that work at Fat Records for so many years. Yeah. Uh, like 12 years ago, I remember helping them move shelves into their new <laughs> building whenever they moved to the small like location. <laughs> so I mean, we've, we've been friends with them for a long time. So we, and, and other Fat Records bands. So, you know, it wasn't too much of a stretch for us to, Sure. To, to to be in contact with them, but you know we had uh, recorded the record in around tw in, through 2019, and and then uh, I just kind of wanted to take a little bit of time. Like I wasn't quite ready to put out the record quite yet to like start that cycle all over again. And then the pandemic happened, mm -hmm. and then we were like, forget about it. Let's just take a break and like not even focus on band stuff. Yeah. So in that time period, you know, we had discussions with people at Fat, and they were into putting out the record, and then we're like, "All right, well then, let's do it." And then here we are. <laughs> you didn't have to win like an arm wrestling competition with Fat Mike or anything like that. No, not at all. I've <laughs> I've barely bumped into Fat Mike only a couple times in my life. Okay. Right? So no, we don't we don't have that kind of relationship. Yeah. <laughs> so now I think during this production process, basically did you have to fine tune anything after the signing or did you just, it was done and then you just signed and then released it a couple months later? Or? Uh, yeah, we, yeah, it was just, they were down to put it out and we signed to the, there was no signing, you know, it's just like yeah. a handshake <laughs> deal. And then, yeah. And then, uh, the record had to sit and wait for a whole eight, nine months or something. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. the vinyl isn't even out till January because it takes so long for the record to come out. So yeah, the the production uh, actual so, production yeah, it's just been crazy. Just been a whole lot of waiting. So we played a few shows. It came out on October twenty second, and that weekend we played uh, Indianapolis and Milwaukee and Chicago, and we got to play some yeah. new songs, and that was great because we worked them into the. You know, we're playing new songs. It's nice to be able to go play them. We didn't want to put yeah. out the record and not be able to go play the songs. Yeah, exactly. And then you guys just did Fest, right? So down there. We did. We just got home from Fest. Yeah. Yeah. It was great. How was, was that? Awesome. It was great. Yeah. It was great. It's our 15th Fest in a row. Jesus. So you guys aren't even playing like just regular shows? You're just like, we're going only for Fest? Yeah. Oh, yeah. We just fly down there. 
Nice. But uh, so, we did two shows this year. We did Boca Fiesta, it's secret show, and then we did like the eight seconds, uh, not oh, yeah. the big room. And uh, both shows were great, surprisingly enough. It was a weird fest because everything is – there were just less people. and uh, mm-hmm. But there was also open container. So you oh, walk around and there was like outdoor you know, tables and stuff set up. So it had much more of a nice like uh, outdoor feel. It was really great. Yeah. It felt like an old fest. Nice. Yeah. So you'd mentioned the vinyl stuff. I and mean, this is something that's it's it's obviously um, one of the things that are kind of keeping a lot of punk bands profitable in a lot of ways because, you know, the limited presses of, of you know, and seven inches and all this other stuff and wax releases and all that stuff. What what do you think? Like, how did I mean, I don't own a, a record player. I haven't since I was in like seventh grade. And I remember when digital and CD came out and I was like, oh, my God, this is so much better than record. But now it's like everybody wants to go back to the actual vinyl. And I'm like, OK, but it's more for like I think it's more for collectible and, you know, obviously to listen to it once or a couple of times, but not to like play it out and then ruin the record. Right. So what's your take on this whole you know, relationship between punk rock and, and vinyls? Um, there's probably a large selection of people that just collect it, uh, for no reason. Um, (laughs) I guess other than just that it's a way to support the band and it's, you know, a cool thing to own. It's a big record. Um, I actually have a shitload of records, Yeah, like a thousand records. Damn. And uh, <laughs> and probably a couple thousand seven inches, and uh, and uh, jukeboxes too. I mean, so you were hoarding way before everybody else was hoarding. I don't know if I was hoarding, <laughs> uh, and I actually kind of feel like I got into the record game a little late, but around like two thousand and four, two thousand five, is probably whenever I felt like buying a lot of things on vinyl. Mm-hmm. And it was just because, like, I that was the first time I actually had a space where I was living to set up a record player. Yeah. So then it changed my relationship with how I was, like, listening to music. So then I started, like, just sitting down and putting on a record and listening to it. And that's a thing that I still do. So I yes. have, like, a record room over here. You can't see it. But behind yeah. me is the CD collection, all those boxes over there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, those those don't ever get played. I don't ever do anything with those, but I feel like maybe someday they'll come around. Yeah. Well, but what about I, Laserdisc? I mean, why isn't that the thing that got popular again instead of vinyl? Oh, I don't know. But my <laughs> one of my best friends in the entire world is a 5,000 Laserdisc collection at his house. He has like 5,000 Laserdiscs. It's insane. That's insane. Um, but, I, I, so, but the vinyl thing, uh, it is like tragically hip at a point where like it is kind of fucking over like people that are trying to make records right now (laughs) but uh you know the everyone's blaming the adele record for how many she's getting pressed and i yeah i don't know know. like i don't understand why somebody just doesn't open up their own record plant yeah yeah i mean especially if you're gonna sell you know half a million copies yourself or something like that it's like just hire an entire company to do it for you so that one company can do it (laughs) Yeah, I wonder if she'll sell that many. Yeah. But when it comes to punk records, like they're a limited amount, and that's what makes them worth something. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, there's they're, like most of the punk stuff is like five hundred, a thousand. Like that's usually what you see, and that's why they go for like you know 
three times more than the albums were right. you know, regular yeah. album sales. So I get it. I get it. I, I, I sometimes pay way too much for records that I shouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> I was but just curious. Because I want to own, because it's, I want to own the artifact. Like yeah. show me another one. Like here's an original, you know, danger house, early punk seven inch, like show me another one. You yeah. can't, kinda, I'm going to buy it from you. Exactly. I don't want to spend like that much museum. on it, but I will. It's like a music museum or a library of sorts of, of, of the sound and the, and the, the piece of time, like you're saying, like an artifact basically. So yeah, it's a good take. Yeah. That's my take on it. But I also yeah. listen to it on Spotify. Yeah. <laughs> Same. It's just like, well, that, I don't blame I mean, anybody. I don't blame anybody for not buying into records. Like yeah. I would never like that's like, yeah, yeah, that's the whole thing is like, if you're buying it, it's cause it's a limited amount of something. Sure. And then that's but the other thing, show, too, is like, yeah. you buy that for the to support the artist and obviously for the fact that it's limited release, right. but then you go play the stream, so that way they keep getting paid for every single time that you play that. So it's kind of like a, a double a double supporting of the band. So if you guys are out there and you're like, oh, should I buy actual physical copies? Sure. And then go stream it as well because you're going to keep rolling those clicks and those, those downloads over. That's right. Awesome. So... I do want to talk a little bit about Carbondale because we mentioned it before. It's a, it's a right. little town. Yep. Uh, I think it's like 20,000 people with a, like, like you said, Southern Illinois, uh, is it Southern Illinois universities there? Is that what you said? That's right. Yeah. The Southern SIU, Southern Illinois university is here. It's uh, yeah. somewhere around 20,000 people, uh, just, just local residents. And I don't know what the, the current class at SIU is these year, this year. Yeah. So a couple of songs on this album reference it, and obviously you've referenced it through multiple songs in the past. Do you kind of feel like your relationship with Carbondale is changing as you get older? Obviously, you mentioned that the rest of the band's left the city, but you haven't. So do you feel like maybe it's not so miserable or maybe it's not the thing that you need to escape from anymore, like you may have thought when you were younger? Um, <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's a love and hate, I suppose. <laughs> uh, you know? Yeah, it's... For me, I'm uh, I'm I'm 40 years old. I, I've, I'm a, I'm a person that like has a relationship with people that work at City Hall, uh, and I'm active in like trying to change some of the rules and the way that, that music works. You know, some of the laws that have been passed in this town nice. have kind of like you know done some damage to the music scene, and, and I've I, I've done some work to try to like fix those we'll see if they work but nice yeah I, i'm an adult now i have two children my wife is a pediatrician she has a practice here you know i'm a homeowner uh so i'm my relationship with carbonyl i guess has changed yeah in that way yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's kind of it's you have to because it's like you own part of it now and so like i want this thing to be better than what i what i thought it was when i was younger yeah exactly and yeah. or the way yeah I want it to be better. I live here I'm, and I just want to try to make it better. So that's kind of what I've been working to try to do for the past, I don't know, five years or so. Awesome. Well, we're going to have a little special session after this, but I'm going to wrap the actual okay. podcast up. But before we do, um, I'm going to, I'm going to obviously we'll add some links to the, in the, to the music in the show notes below this episode, but do you have anything you'd like to plug upcoming shows or anything or anything you want to say to fans that, you know, or people who don't know about your music yet before we go to uh, off off air today. Oh, uh, well, I would say we have something to plug, but we have no shows booked. Yeah. <laughs> Fest was our last uh, thing for a little bit. We'll see what happens at the beginning of the year. Uh, yeah. 
but uh yeah uh we have a new record out it's called alone in a dome uh you can find it streaming anywhere on any service uh it's on fat records if you want to buy the actual limited edition vinyl copy and uh ah, check it out awesome obviously i'm, I'm assuming i have to pre-order it because it's not available right now right the CD is available, yeah. but uh, the vinyl will not be here. It doesn't ship till January. If you're looking okay. for vinyl, we'll just blame Adele. Say it's. But you can fun. listen to the you can listen to the record anywhere. So give go give it a listen, for sure. So Adam, I want to thank you very much for being here. This was awesome. Yeah, thanks uh, for having me. The, the band is awesome. Obviously, the copyrights. If you haven't heard of them, I mean, it's been around for a couple decades now, and they've been yeah, making twenty great years. Music. Will be next year's twenty years. Yep. So. <laughs> so they've been making great music for 20 years and if you haven't been able to check them out yet you definitely should check out the music uh in the show notes below and if you like what you heard on the show today please make sure to subscribe to the podcast and share it with friends on social media as well so you can see the full interview on youtube channel as well so if you want to watch us actually talking instead of just hearing us talk you can see that on the youtube channel also if you want to check out some of the written content we do or any of the products or merch that we have available, go to PoweredByRock.com to read our absolutely free rocking blog full of album reviews, interviews, and lists to keep you entertained. And find our gear as well so you can pick up some items to play and look like a rock legend. That's our show for today. We'll see you soon for the next episode. Until then, rock on. Bye.